You're listening to We Need to Talk About InfoSec. I'm your host, Laura, and in this show, we get to the bottom of information security. The big question is, how broken is our world, and what can we do to fix it? I have a vision that we can only make this world better by first taking it apart. Let's get started. Hello, all dear listeners. So I've been away for a couple of months now. I had a short summer holidays or vacation. And uh, yeah, we are now recording the first episode of this second season. And uh, there's going to be a little bit of changes regarding this podcast. So in the early this year, I released episode uh, like two episodes every month. So now I'm going to move forward to or I'm going to move to uh, releasing only one episode per month. But that being said, I hope that you will still enjoy the second season. I have a lot of interesting people coming on the show. And if there's something that you really wanted to hear us talk about, or if there's something that piqued your interest, I, I would really want to hear about that on my Twitter, at TalkAboutSec. And also, if you have any any ideas on the uh, well on the show, Just let me know on Twitter. <laughs> But today uh, we're going to talk about social engineering with my friend Riku Jurikko. And we are like both of us are working in InfoSec. But I think uh, Riku especially has more like hands-on experience on social engineering and the tactics. And you're also working towards a thesis or uh, was it, so, is it is it a thesis that you're working towards? Uh, not really. Um My thesis is going to be more about, about manipulating machine learning. So I'm kind okay. of thinking thinking manipulating humans into the machine life, but we'll see how that goes. Okay, that's so that's be in the future. kind of a bit more advanced. But yeah. anyway, welcome on the show, Rico. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to be here and uh, talk with you on the subjects that I'm interested in and happy to be here. Yeah. So you work at KPMG? Yeah, actually, um, right now, yeah, I'm working at KPMG. Um, mostly I'm doing audits and certification, things like that, but I'm, but I'm also part of our red team and um, red teaming business, the team that does like the attacks on the companies and uh, we test the security measures, as you well know from F-Secure side. Yeah, and, uh, so trying to find the low-hanging fruits and get yeah, into exactly. the companies. And uh, my responsibility is more like uh, manipulating the user and building the package, We how we get into the inside a corporation via the human interface. Yeah. For example, crafting the phishing email package, making phone calls, or even going inside their facilities and uh, plugging myself into the internal network, yeah. which is kind of the most exciting part of my job. And, uh, and so all that is, well, not all of that, but it's some of that can be categorized under social engineering. So for example, the emails and stuff. Yeah, actually, I, I would say that all of it is part of social engineering. Those are some of the tools and tactics that are part of social engineers toolkit that we can use for like all of those. Yeah, um, but yeah. I think like social engineering right now, It's kind of like all the hype and there's a lot of talk about social engineering. Why do you think that it's so interesting right now? Well, it is uh, one of the most common, uh, I would say the most common attack vector you get you get into the companies at the moment. And I think the amount of social engineering attacks is even more growing in the future. So yeah. 
because it is easier to exploit a human being than to find a technical vulnerability. Mm. I would say that these days many companies are taking pretty good care of their technical side of vulnerabilities, keeping their systems up to date. You might disagree with me on mm. that, but it is a lot easier to exploit a human being than to find a technical vulnerability, in my opinion. Yeah. And obviously when you do a complete red teaming attack or a campaign, you combine both of those things. You find the technical vulnerabilities and you exploit the humans. Yeah, so maybe the human side is the initial attack vector. So yeah. for example, the phishing emails, you send them and you hope that someone opens your links and, and downloads the malicious uh, PDFs or malicious content on their yeah, computers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That is what we do and that's how we craft the package. We learn what people like and uh, or how would I work with and things like that, and then we craft the package. Yeah. But yeah, maybe a bit more of like why I'm doing this thing. I, I used to work like uh, almost 10 years in the physical security side, in the airport security, mm. uh, checking employees or, and passengers. And uh, we got a little bit of training, like recognizing when people people are trying to fool us or lying and, uh, you know, recognizing terrorists and things like that. You yeah. Can't go too much into that, but... You learn uh, quite a lot about humans when you work in the security field, and uh, especially if you're doing like physical security side. Uh, if someone is acting violent towards you, you wanna like de-escalate the situation. That physical confrontation is always the final option that you mm. you wanna avoid till the last possible moment. So, did you ever get into that kind of situation well, in the airport? Quite, quite rarely, not in the airport environment. Mostly it was other places, but <laughs> yeah, it's like a you kind of want to learn to manipulate the customer, so to speak, who you're facing and might act violent towards you. So that was kind of like my first motivations, even before I started working in InfoSec. It's like so-called manipulating human beings. And I, I didn't even know what social engineering was at the time. Yeah. It was just when I started working at InfoSec and um, when I learned more about social engineering. Mm. And I started working this company called Silverskin uh, a bit over three years ago. Uh, it was kind of funny how I got like into social engineering in there. We had this, uh, did you, have you heard about this tool called Maltigo? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's some of, some call it Google on steroids. It's yeah. a very, very efficient uh, information gathering tool. So we had this uh, Maltigo training in there. Mm. And in the end of the training, there was this uh, capture the flag that was like part of the training. So. I won it, and the prize for uh, winning the comp uh, competition or the CTF was uh, Maltigo license for a year. So I became the appointed Maltigo guy, <laughs> and uh, I was the one who was doing then the OSINT jobs because I won the CTF. Yeah. So that was like my my go to to social engineering, and then I started discovering more about the psychological effects and uh, things that we're gonna talk later here. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the word, the uh, OSINT, so that's open oh, yeah, source intelligence. Yeah. So that's part of social engineering, like gathering the information on, for example, your targets. Yeah, so um, the way that social engineering campaigns and, well, cyber attack campaigns in general work is that you start with OSINT, which is open source intelligence, as you said. Uh, we gather information from the internet that is publicly available and at no point the subject or the target has no knowledge that they're being uh, scouted or 
someone is gathering information from them. So you might look off the company web page, the company's partners they're working with, the social media. Um, my favorites is like if I can find, for example, CEOs, kids or something on Facebook, I, I want to build a family picture and what sports they're playing. I want to build the whole build the whole package as much as we can gather yeah. information. Yeah, and the thing is that we are not uh, black hat hackers and this is our profession. Yeah. And even though you're stalking these people <laughs> yeah, online, yeah. like there is a purpose for this. So why, why do you feel that social engineering in our field is important? Yeah, I would say that if we get um, order from a company to do this kind of campaign. So at first we, we do the OSINT campaign. So then the company knows what the real attackers see and then we give our recommendations that are you sure this is the kind of information you want to have online or if you want to have it online and need to have it online then if someone approaches you with this kind of information that is related to that then you must consider again that is this request legit and uh, you must really think that are these are these real people that are contacting you yeah. because a social engineer or a cyber attacker they can mask themselves pretty well uh, to be legit legit personal let's say an example what is one of my favorite attack vectors is if i can find for example a, a kid from a important person i might mask myself as the coach of the let's say ice hockey or football club mm. and if i can mask myself sending email from that his or her address and i can send the practice schedules yeah um that is a highly likely rate of success on that yeah and that's, that's probably so, yeah that's something that they are not expecting yeah yeah exactly that is like you're thinking that as a yeah it security is uh something that my company's it takes care of, but yeah does they do they take care of the security of your kids football club no yeah. but the attack come come from there also yeah and it's a, such a different context like you have the work environment and maybe there you can be more alert yeah, to these things exactly. but then you have your kids hobbies and then you don't expect it to come yeah. from that or someone might approach you on facebook let's say someone you went to school with 15 years ago mm. you find that you went to some high school or whatever and uh then just might find a high school yearbook or something like that and mm. then just create a person that you were in the same class with yeah. and then just say hi and uh contact yeah so the thing is that when we do the OSINT part we want to gather as much relevant information we can mm. next phase which is called the pretexting phase is we build believable packages to approach the company or a target person as uh, as uh, believable as we can so uh what we want to do is we want to familiarize ourselves with the company culture and uh, person and what they're liking and uh, uh, essentially build a package yeah. or a lure that the person will swallow and uh, then move from there. Yeah. So after repeat pretext, we build a package, we send it, we might send a phishing email, we might give them a phone call. Let's say we know that the comp company is taking a new CRM system mm. into we can find information from uh, job postings that they are looking for a CRM expert yeah uh, we might call somebody posing as IT or CRM project manager say mm. hi um, we're taking this uh, CRM system into like trial use would you like to participate and we might add something like 
this is a secret. Don't tell anybody. Uh, you're you're been selected from a few persons that you're you're a trustworthy person. We know you're a good employee. Mm-hmm. Can you give me your username so we can add you to the trial system? That's a highly uh, successful percentage that you can get a username from that. Yeah. Because people don't suspect that. So what we might do next is now we know how the usernames are built in the organization. We can call the next user and say, hi, we're doing this uh, CRM trial project. Is your username this and password this? Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah, your username is correct, but my password is wrong. Yeah. And on some uh, occasions, people feel the need to correct if something is wrong. So I'm going to say, is your password mm-hmm. XZ7 blah, 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 blah. And they say, no, it's password 123. Okay, thank you very much. Have a good day. Yeah. You're now being added to the new CRM project. Yeah. And I think there comes simply the, like at this stage, the love, uh, like how you persuade people into doing stuff yeah. or manipulation. So as you said, that make people feel like they need to comply. So do yeah, you have any yeah. uh, like other examples of this kind of approaches? Yeah, actually, um, my topics that we're going to discuss today is um, they are based on this, uh, I think it was Stanford professor called Robert Cialdini, yeah. who has been doing a lot of research on the subject. And uh, he has come up with the six principles of persuasion. Yeah. And he found out this as going as a trainee to people whose job it is to get other people to say yes. So essentially he went to trainings to salespeople, recruiters, lobbyists, people who thrive on manipulating sort of other people like marketing and things like that. Mm. So he came up with six principles that are usually the ones that we work with. Yeah. So the principles are reciprocation which means that you give something to someone and then you expect to get something back then we have commitment and consistency which is essentially that we've been doing this thing for for now so why not keep doing it it's uh especially practical in in finland it's like mm. we're a nordic people we're really consistent people and then we have social proof which is kind of like a Million million flies cannot be wrong. Uh, there's a line for a bucket somewhere. People yeah. want to go here. Yeah, and someone said something is yeah, good, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, you yeah, follow exactly. the example. And then we have liking, which means that we tend to comply easier with people than we like than with someone we don't like. And uh, how we get to people to like each other uh, or us is that if we're doing similar things we look similar physically mm. attractive etc uh, etc et um, then we have authority which is quite powerful also in Finland especially people respect police in here mm. so we tend to do what authority figures want us to do or we might be afraid that something might happen to us if, if we don't comply to the request yeah and last and not least is scarcity is that Mm. There is a scarcity of something that it might run out if you don't do it some like right away. Yeah. So though, uh, in my mind, the most powerful yeah. principle. Yeah. And uh, those principles are also very culture dependent. So all right, um, we're going back to the reconnaissance and building the pretext. So mm-hmm. if you're doing a international campaign, you got to know in which cultural environment you're operating in. 
and even even uh, in inside a country you want to know for example if there is a let's say a lot of uh females working in a company then you might want to put a female sort of like operative mm. intruding there or if the company has a you might not want to put the female going into a construction site for example you might mm. want to put an older male there yeah well yeah. yeah or it depends maybe what yeah. kind of role you are making them to play yeah, exactly, as well exactly. yeah but the most important part is that we got to make fe- people feel that they belong there yeah we don't want to when we're going into place or we're doing an attack the last thing we want is to our target to think mm. we want to keep it as simple as possible so people don't get give it another thought or don't think about it too much just like yeah. all right just business as usual let's keep doing this yeah it's all right and i think cialdini i also read some of his uh yeah. like some of some part of his uh research and the books and and i think it's fascinating that uh like for example he said that people want to help if if you just know how to mm. like play along with these uh persuasion uh, tactics and manipulation tactics people are very willing to help you and like he said that in order to fix these things you would actually have to make people rethink their decisions so if you have a person walking into the construction site and the person is uh, carrying a ladder and everything fits like to the picture that mm. that they look like a construction site guy or or they're walking into an office building with the ladder on uh, with the helmets on mm. and stuff yeah classic and then in order to avoid this then you would have people to think like rethink that okay is this person trying to overly compensate or is are they like what was the first thing that they said is it like like how to spot these things it's it's quite tricky do you have any yeah, is, ideas yeah, on how yeah. to spot these things yeah I, i do agree on that like yeah he said that if someone is overly trying to make you or you're feeling you get the feeling that you're overly uh like you must you have the feeling you need to say yes in an elevated level mm. uh to what is normal then you gotta like pause for a minute and uh just consider the request again and what is the evidence that is supporting the request yeah then you gotta like really pause for a moment and okay yeah this is this happened this happened are there really really movie tickets and Mm. uh, maybe ask somebody yeah what is going on yeah but in my opinion when it comes to these kind of things that people want to help and are willing to help it's kind of like well there is probably no technical like waterproof technical solution that would fix this mm. but at the same time personally i wouldn't want to fix the part in people that is nice and trying to help other people yeah. out and stuff yeah i agree completely with that yeah like personally the one point that i'm really interested in mm. is the social proof yeah like the way that Because I think this is one thing that can be very easily exploitable uh, through social engineering, social engineering tactics. So the social proof, as you said, it's something that other people have already given approval of this thing. So mm. let's say that uh, you are buying something online and and you don't buy it unless you go through the reviews and you you see that someone else has already approved it for you. And I think Cialdini, he had an example of a restaurant that had 
their menu, but instead of like with the asterisks, instead of naming that, okay, this is the chef's speciality oh, or yeah, the yeah. Uh, like our own favorite, it, it said that this is our most popular dish. And while it was true, it's still like this uh, amount of... Uh, portions that they sold of that special like that uh, particular dish they just skyrocket yeah, it it stays the most popular because but even if you change that you can just change the asterisks yeah and it doesn't have to be really the most popular but it will be because it says so that it is the most popular dish yeah uh, a good example on that is that how a social engineer would use that is mm. you could send a phishing email to someone to say that hey uh, we're doing this a uh, questionnaire. Click on this link, and uh, let's say that seven people from your team have already done this. And you could add some scarcity spice to it and say, "Yeah, there are ten movie tickets. We're giving out. Uh, we're giving out movie tickets to ten first responders, and yeah. seven people have already done it. So there are three tickets left already. Uh, only so you gotta fill this questionnaire quick because the movie tickets are running out. Mm. So that is how we build these packages yeah. to. We might take take one of these, one or two of these principles, and add some add parts of them to build a successful attack package yeah. or via phishing or or other other means. Do you have any example of that? I know you were talking about the CEO and the kids, oh, but yeah, 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 yeah. like yeah. How, how you would go like from zero to having the access to the company systems. Um. That was that was one example. Um, scarcity is one of my least favorites uh, to use because it is usually something that makes people scared or it kind of like tingles, let's say, the dark side of things that we might do. Mm. Uh, we are going to incite the feeling of urgency. Let's say that we might send uh, an email from posing as Microsoft or Dropbox or whatever, yeah, uh, saying that you must confirm your email account or your data will be destroyed, your pictures or whatnot will be destroyed yeah. if you don't act in 24 hours. Yeah, there are some of those low tactics that I don't want to resort to, but those are usually the like last resorts. Yeah, what I would do. Um, authority is something that works quite well, also. Uh, I have an example. I was actually done with my uh, by my colleague when mm. he was uh, intruding facilities. Yeah. So, thing is that they were intruding the facilities and they were posing as a uh, cleaning inspectors for a cleaning company. Yeah. Um, which was changed in the company, and we didn't know at the moment. We we found that they were operating another cleaning company, but the information was outdated from <laughs> their website. Yeah. So they went there. And uh, some some employee confronted them. It was like, yeah, so you're with this cleaning company. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're doing an evaluation slog. But we have a different company. It's like, yeah, what sense would it make to evaluate by the same cleaning company that's the <laughs> actual cleaning? So was oh, like so quick they were yeah, able to yeah. adapt to the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, uh, then the employee was like, okay, so but on whose authority you are here because they had uh, guest badges that that were spotted from online on someone's Instagram. They were taking f selfie with the guest badge so we can copy that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the employee was like asking things like, do you know the facility manager Smith? Is like, are you here on his authority? And then they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
that information wasn't public. So yeah. now they have the name of the facility manager. Ah, so they slipped it, up, like let it slip. Yeah, yeah. While they were talking. Okay. Yeah. So then, yeah, yeah, yeah. facility manager Smith uh, is our like host, and he he told us that we can walk around. Yeah. The employee was like, okay, uh, and then went on, and a couple minutes later, another guy comes to confront them, mm-hmm. and there's, then they're just dropping. Yeah, we're here on the hosted by facility manager Smith, and there's like, oh, really? Uh, I'm Mr. Smith, and I have no idea that you're <laughs> supposed to be here. It's like. Okay, uh, well, what do we do now? Yeah. So my colleague's thinking quickly, and he says, "Oh yeah, you didn't get the email. We agreed this with the chief financial officer, Mr. Jackson." And it's like, yeah. "Here's here's my phone. If you want to call him, and like, go ahead." He said that he's pretty busy today, but yeah, we we agreed on this. Yeah. And then it's like, "No, we don't need to disturb such a big shot guy. So just yeah, keep going. Uh, leave the guest cards when you leave to the reception. Wow. That's all right. Okay, but you need to have some nerves of steel yeah, in yeah, those yeah, situations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are like funny situations yeah. you get into. Yeah, but can you like as an infosec professional, is there any way of, you know, teaching yourself how to, you know, be calm in those situations or Um actually what I do myself is when I go into a gig i i built myself a persona i'm kind of like an actor mm-hmm. in the situation and uh i know that i'm going to be nervous as hell on those gigs yeah so i kind of like make my character to be in this kind of nervous character also mm-hmm. so it's like part of his persona and uh usually people le- feel less threatened and more open to me if i'm acting like a nervous kind of like a new guy and uh things like that and kind of nerdy because mm. people don't use people usually want to be nice yeah they don't want to be like laugh at you if you're shaking like ah you're nervous get uh, out of here and it's like <laughs> no they want to like how can i help you yeah and that's usually you can use it as your benefit if you're a bit nervous or that that's at least what i do okay that's interesting if, if you're going in as a sort of like this cocky person who's like yeah i know my way around here like Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, really you don't like want rash. to no. pretend to be the CEO. <laughs> no, no, no. You just attract as little attention as possible, and then like try to fit around. Uh, most important part is to like fitting in, having similar clothing as most of the people in the office or whatever wherever mm. you're going. Uh, once I rented a lab coat when I needed to uh, intrude research laboratory, mm. and then I borrowed my girlfriend's glasses and uh i got in because there was a renovation and i used the principle of reciprocation to get in yeah some guy was carrying uh tool cases so i rushed in he was just uh bleeping his card to the electronic lock in the door and i was just rushing to hold the door for him yeah and then was like thank you and he carried his tool cases and he even put his tool cases in the ground and said, let me open the next door for you to the labs and he just let me in there uh. because he thought I belonged there because I have my research coat and uh, glasses and I went in Yeah, and, and I was it, being nice to him. That's interesting. Like, I don't know if this is really the case, but what came to my mind is yeah. that if you are trying to act nice, then people probably think that you are a nice person, like you yeah. are the good guy. So they don't feel that you're gonna do something bad, that then you're gonna go there and leave your <laughs> network implant <laughs> yeah, exactly. there. Yeah, but that's interesting. Like, as you said, like that you use the nervousness to your own benefit. Like I have also done this like physical, uh, mm. like gone gone into the buildings of uh, companies that we are testing. But 
I feel like so nervous. Like it's not really like what I like to do because I like to just sit by my computer yeah. and do all the work from there. So I get super nervous doing those things. Yeah, um, perhaps another story I might tell in here is like we combined, uh, I would say, scarcity, authority and uh, liking here uh, in another physical intrusion case. Uh, we were supposed to intrude a government agency mm. and uh, government agencies are or buildings are owned by a certain party. So we called the person in the agencies like, yeah, uh, the government uh, organization who owns all the buildings mm. uh, has ordered this, uh, whatchamacallit, um, facility like health inspection. It's like... We were posing uh, yeah. as a as a physiotherapist and a nurse yeah. for the same company that provides health services to that said said agency. Yeah. So we call that posing as a like healthcare providers. Like, yeah, you've been ordered uh, this inspection, and it is paid by the agency that owns your building. So it is at zero cost for you. And but thing is that we gotta do it by the end of the week. Mm. So. We're playing the names that are publicly available from the like organization who owns it, and we're playing the scarcity card, and we're also being really nice. Mm. And thing is that we used a female to make the call because females are usually um, taking as less threat. Mm. So if we use a young young women, um, we usually get easier true than uh, when a man would make the request mm. so we we get into the organization and uh they even have a contact guy who contacted the other organization it's like they've never heard of this kind of inspection coming mm. but we still get in there and when we get in there um the person is kind of questioning us it's like how come no one's heard about this and it was like oh it must be uh that there is some miscommunication with the emails and things like that. And because we're really nice and non-threatening, mm. then they're like, okay, yeah, let's let's go on to the, do the tour. Yeah. So while we're doing the tour, I was like, yeah, we can, we can, you can like go back to your work and uh, we can just do the tour by ourselves. Yeah. And then the person who is escorting is like, I'm sorry, but the, you must be escorted at all times and, no, all doors have electronic locks, and you couldn't get anywhere. So, okay, gotta come with come up with something here. So, then I tell her that, yeah, my my girlfriend is pregnant, so I might expect a phone call at any moment. So, mm -hmm. at the phone booths they have, they yeah. have the network sockets. Yeah. So then I send a message to my friend that, yeah, call me in five minutes. So and I I gotta go take this phone call, and like, okay, naturally, just catch up with us, and then I can go there. And in the same time, we also, we were doing this uh, interviews with the employees about the lightning noise, yeah. uh, air conditioning, things like that. And they were talking to us like, yeah, it is so nice that you're doing these things and uh, that it shows that our company really cares about us. And that was, oh. that was the moment I was, I felt so horrible. I just wanted like. Uh, it's not real. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. But did but you yeah, did no. you ever tell them like the break the news? Then? No, no, I didn't. I I actually wished to do that. Like I wanted wanted to go there to like 
you know, process this thing and like with the people we talked about and like how how we would notice it in the future and like, like I wanted to know how they feel about this. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get the chance to do that, but that is something that I wish to do in the future and like incorporate in in part of every campaign that we're mm. doing to discuss the people that we've sort of kind of attacked that or our targets. But I'm really interested. Did you leave the network implant in the phone booth or? No, we just uh, we just gave it a shot. If we can get a, like a connection to our server, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're just testing if there's the limit the uh, traffic outside oh, the okay. network. Yeah. Yeah. But nothing more than that at at that point. Yeah, but as you said that uh that you felt bad for mm. these people because you you were talking about these things and they got got excited and because mm. you seem you appeared to be nice to them and yeah. you were nice to them yeah. like you're yeah. not a bad guy in in that sense but how do you feel like should we be even more proactive when it comes to uh follow-ups or like post-mortems to these things to the people who were targeted because i think in some cases these things can leave you feeling tiny bit well for one exploited but also like disappointed like let's say that you didn't win that ticket to the movies or mm, that you yeah. didn't really get to uh, have the air conditioning at the office fixed yeah. do you feel that we should somehow instead of going th- through this in a negative way that we should try to do something positive as well yeah that is exactly what i i would wish to see more in the industry like i feel that at the moment or at times there are People that are like that's banging the drum, like, yeah, 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 I found this exploit, and I get, I got to do this, and I got there and there and there and uh, mm. that is, that is all good. But I feel that we should be doing more like positive impact, especially with humans, yeah, um, so that they can discuss what they've been through, and uh, we can like discuss with them as people and how they could react to it in their everyday working life, yeah, yeah so that- what they could do better in the future. Yeah, and I know that there's ways of doing this kind of positive reinforcement through, for example, Hox Hunt, yeah. uh, sending the f- like th- it's a company that sends these phishing emails, or that they try to see if people recognize phishing emails, and yeah. they send you emails, and then if you think it's a phishing email sent by Hox Hunt, you click on a button, and then you either get points or not, and then it's kind of like gamifying the uh, detection of phishing. So, yeah. do you have uh, any other like? technical ideas on how how this could be done yeah i like i like hoxon myself really much as well so kind of like getting the positive reinforcement to that and uh then you can discuss if someone is comp- uh, repeatedly making mistakes with those then you can like take the more training into that and uh, yeah i i don't really believe into like negative uh training with that like yeah you yeah. screwed up three times now you're out yeah the and then you get like, some kind yeah, of penalty yeah. or yeah yeah, yeah i i want to feel that the culture must be so that if you make a mistake if you click on a real phishing link yeah then you gotta be in an environment then you can like uh communicate it forward to the infosec team or whoever is responsible for re- re- responding to incidents yeah i that is the most important part I think we should reinforce in the trainings yeah. that we do. Do you think that it's happening that people can be open about these things, or do you feel that there is some kind of stigma around this? I I would feel that there is still a little stigma on it. Like 
people do feel embarrassed if they make mistakes, but mm. I mean, I, I for one would be really to our i have made mistakes and i i went straight to our it guy and i was like okay well now we gotta format your computer but we got back up so yeah. i don't know i i lost maybe a couple hours of work but that's better than compromising our company network <laughs> <laughs> entirely yeah. so yeah yeah i mean like i'm trying to think like for example once i typically i'm i'm very uh like with my belongings i i want to know that i have my wallet with me i have my phone with me that i have everything so yeah. once i lost my company phone and i was so terrified i was like oh my god all of my like data is in there yeah. like everything so if someone just can get their hand hands on it they can potentially just read all my emails and stuff i was so terrified and then i just called our it and they didn't pick up at first and then i called uh, like CISO or something this mm. was for my previous employer and then, but they were like super cool and they were like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like we, we will just, you know, we can erase it remotely. And like, there's no need to panic because I think I was, because it was for me, I was like, I have personally messed up because I typically never lose any of my belongings yeah, and exactly. I wasn't even drunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even us as like InfoSec professionals, we should be knowing these things. Like, yeah, I, I don't. I'm training these things to other people. How yeah. sh how could I even make this kind of mistakes that I would click on some link? Yeah. But thing is that we're all humans and we all make mistakes and uh, nobody can be perfect 100% of the time. Yeah, but maybe we need to become the like examples. Like there was a uh there was a quote from Aristotle the saying that character may almost be called the most effective means of persuasion. Like yeah. Like maybe if we just, you know, try to be more open as ourselves then. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. It's like also when you go and do a, do a thing like physical intrusion gig, you are then becoming all those characters or you must incorporate all those uh, persuasion characteristics into yourself and yeah. you become the persuader in a sense. Yeah. So then you just got to keep the show up and uh, running. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking that we have all these ways of, you know, like exploiting humans and the niceness and kindness of humans. So even like going further, is there anything else we can do to, you know, try to make this things like make this thing better for us? Yes, as we discussed earlier. So if you're feeling like at an elevated level to comply with someone's request. Maybe pause and think about the thing again. Uh, as the example that we did the uh, occupational healthcare thing, it's like there were many opportunities for them to stop and verify our request at the moment. And they even verified our request. But then we explained it when we came to the scene that yeah, there was an email miscommunication or whatever. At that moment, they had the opportunity to like, okay, uh, let me take a phone call. And mm. we would have been stopped right there. Yeah. So, so you have uh, to be very thorough with the verification part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you don't have to be an asshole. You can just mm. carry on being a nice person and trust other people. But if you're uh, talking about this kind of uh, sensitive information or like um, facilities that are limited access, then... You got to take more care of who you're dealing with. And uh, 
essentially verify everything. Yeah. Um, a good example is that if I'm calling you on the phone and then I posing to be from the company IT and asking for a username and so like, okay, let me call you back and then you call the back to the official number that is for the IT in the company. Mm. Because at the moment, at least in Finland, or I don't know if anywhere else either, but it is, I think it's practically impossible to fake a callback number or like intercept mm. the phone call when you're calling back to somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. At I least I, don't, I have no idea how that is yeah, going to be done. Yeah. But you can spoof the phone numbers, at least in, in yeah, the Yeah, when you're calling, yeah. 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 And you can send SMSs from other... Um, other numbers as well. Yeah. As, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Done that sometime yeah. on TV. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, what we would suggest or what I would suggest is like having trainings like other than your yearly like click through this compliance training mm. just so you can fulfill the ISO 27K or whatever requirements you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I would also adjust the trainings that they would be like shorter, more compact packages, like maximum five, ten minutes, because yeah. people tend to have shorter attention spans. Yeah, they don't. You can like train a sp- one specific like train email phishing in five mm. minutes, or train res- uh, responding to phone calls and mm. uh, guest guest policies and mobile traveling and things like that. Just yeah. keep them in separate packages. Yeah, but. This is this is a very personal opinion of mine now, but uh, I have worked at corporations where I have to go through these kind of, mm. you know, yeah, click here if you read this and and is this uh, answer A or B correct and stuff like this, and then for me personally, they feel very boring, and I yeah, after clicking through them, I'm just like I I already forgot what what was in them. So do you think that we need some kind of like more like concrete kind of uh, trainings or then kind of some kind of I think shock. It, it, it helps if if it's related to your own company or your own environment. Yeah. It, it makes you feel more familiar. And I think that's important with the training. It's yeah. like it, it feels that it's made to you. Yeah. And they consider your they need to get to you to care about the training. It's like it really helps you, not just in your work mm. life, but in your private life. And some, if you can get the effect that you go home and you tell your family about, like, this is fishing and how you re- react to it, and mm. you can like discuss it with your kids. Like, yes. don't react to fishing. I mean, so that's, we all that's, can be ambassadors yeah, yeah, of yeah, fishing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, or anti-fishing. anti-fishing rather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rather that way. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ambassador thing is really good. That, that I would raise as uh, as an example. Also, uh, we did this one campaign where I created this uh, fake LinkedIn profile and I started contacting the employees of the company. And I just put myself working as a accountant or something, um, someone working in the financial department in the company. Mm. So I put myself as an employee in there. And then I just started contacting and I, in a really short time, I had like maybe 70 connections in the company. Mm. And then one person who was working in HR, sent me a message in LinkedIn like in the next day. It's like, hi, um, yeah, are you new? Because I can't seem to find you in the HR system. I was like, no, um, actually I'm not working in this company. I'm just 
doing a case for you. It's like I'm really working for an accounting company. It's like, yeah. okay, that's weird. Uh, maybe you should may put yourself working into that company and it's like oh yeah i'm I, I'm new with linkedin so i <laughs> I was kind of making a mistake and then yeah. then she kept questioning me more like okay uh who are you working with who, who's your contact in here and um i was really getting like oh oh crap i can't figure out anything and then it's mm-hmm. like you're probably a fraud and uh, i'm going to report you to linkedin and then i had to delete that profile really quickly uh. but that was part of the larger campaign so when we did this kind of a wrap up with the campaign and the training with the results we had gathered and everything. So I then told that, yeah, this is a really good example. Like she, she was an exemplary uh, employee and uh, she did really well. So we did tell them that, yeah, you should do that. And uh, we gave her like a round of applause. So she, she did well in that. Yeah. It's like, you should take this person as someone to like example in the company. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good idea of if someone is performing very well, then, you know, yeah, it, like it comes back to the positive reinforcement. Yeah, yeah, and if they have someone, like, in the company, like, someone's working in HR, mm. then if they're part of your team, you might want to discuss these things more openly than someone who's working in IT or InfoSec, because uh, in a lot of companies, those people are, like, viewed as this scary people that... Or two technical people that don't know how to interact with humans or whatever. <laughs> so just, yeah, well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> been working at ID for IT for quite yeah. some time yeah, now. Yeah. No, but yeah, I think the main takeaway from this episode is that it's always okay and even preferable to ask why. Yeah. So let's say if you meet someone who is being nice to you, and even even if you don't want to. Uh, hurt their feelings if they're mm. being nice to you it's still okay to ask why and if you're suspecting them of something then you can just go to the you know somewhere like uh, away from their side and make a couple of phone calls and stuff yeah yeah and if they're if someone's request is legitimate then they have a good reason for it and uh, they will also have the backing for it in the the sources that need it yeah so I'd say yeah, it's always okay to question someone. Yeah. And I, I think that's good to like take with you like in every area of life. Just yeah, yeah. When it comes to basically everything, yeah. like why am I being advertised this thing, yeah, or yeah, why yeah. am I yeah. seeing this specific content in my social media feed? Yeah. But uh, once more, what was the name of this book that Cialdini wrote? Oh yeah, actually, I got like a couple books that. I would recommend for um, aspiring social engineers or okay, people who are more interested about this. So first one is like kind of my Bible, the social engineering, the science of human hacking, which is by Chris Hadnagy. Mm. And then there was also this uh, Cialdini's book. It's called Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion. And he also has another book called Persuasion, which is kind of like how you would use on building your attack. So you're setting up the environment for your request. So yeah. that's like more getting the information and setting up a request. And then there's, uh, if we talk about OSINT, uh, Open Source Intelligence Techniques by Michael Basil. Yeah. And he also has this site called inteltechniques.com, which is a really good source for OSINT. So yeah. you might want to check those out. All right. So that's some, some book recommendations for yeah, all yeah. the listeners out there. 
All right, but thank you so much, Riku, for being here with me today. Thank you. It was an honor. Yeah, and as always, you can find us on Twitter at TalkAboutSec, and I'll catch you next time. Bye for now.